What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another Jets episode where we talk about the 0-7 Rich Kotite, I mean, Adam Gase, New York football Jets. Today's episode will focus on the Jets Week 7 game versus the Bills. We'll preview the Chiefs game, and we'll uh, end it off with some Jets trade rumors. But first, Alex, what's for et cetera? What's going on, John? For et cetera, today we're going to discuss some of the marquee games this week that I find interesting, and hopefully you do as well. So that's what we got on deck for today. All right. Sounds good. Let's go, Ricey. the modern-day Rich Kotite 0-7 New York football Jets. What's up, Alex? How you doing, man? Man, this is that's the most accurate statement for this team. Modern-day Rich Kotite Jets. Can that? Can we just get a banner for that, a flag, something flying around MetLife Stadium? But I'm good, man. I'm chilling, living the life, I guess, you know, during quarantine times, do the best you can do, and ready to talk about jets today man it's i don't even know why i just i just get hyped for these recordings i'm really excited to talk today i don't know i'm, I'm enjoying the podcast experience yeah well it's fall outside we're like the pumpkin spice and the apples in the air halloween is right here we're supposed to be loving football but unfortunately we're diehard jets fans <laughs> we are diehard jets fans and that's what makes uh this everything's dying at this point right isn't that what fall is supposed to be isn't that what uh was it George Carlin always said? Notice, notice when football plays is played in the fall when everything's dying and baseball's played in the spring when everything's coming alive and happy. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, the 0-7 Jets. What is perceived to be a dumpster fire and kind of is a dumpster fire. Um, dumpster fire? That thing is a dumpster fire. Let's be real. <laughs> but hey, man. Hey, let's, uh, let's keep it 100 for a second. The Jets had a really good game against the Bills, at least for the first half. They 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 played well. Yeah, they did play well. I, I I agree with you on that. First half played well. Second half there was a lot of blunders and just just a lot of like poor play calling, stupid mistakes. A lot of uh, well, I don't know. I don't know if a lot is the right, but a lot of penalties or good amount, fair amount of penalties that were just unneeded, which. Stop the momentum of the team. But I agree. For the first half, played well. Defense definitely showed up. Yeah. I, I mean, the the penalties uh, weren't as abundant, as you say, but they were definitely in pivotal times, and they did definitely stop the momentum, including the Makai Becton in the fourth quarter where they got an illegal formation on him. Yeah. Lining up. But – I don't know. I, I I watched the coach's film on it. I sent the tweet out to Duke Mayweather, who is his, his off-season trainer, um, and I tagged uh, the big ticket in it just to maybe see, like, what they thought. But I, I, I don't see how he wasn't on the line. Like, his his right foot was there and, and his left foot was off. Um, I, I don't know. His shoulder was there. I, I, I don't know. It, it just seemed like he was right there. Uh, he, he was kind of baffled at it as well. So yeah, there were some blunders um, here and there, and it, it that kind of stuff are drive killers, especially in the fourth quarter, and it takes away from like a really nice on that specific play, a really nice catch from Chris Herndon. 
Yeah, for sure. And that t- and that catch that we needed, right? Or even uh, even the rush that Sam Darnold had, and there was holding at the end in the fourth quarter. It kills momentum, man. It's these are the things that uh, I guess you know a a, a a poorly coached team should not have happen. And I'm not gonna go down that spiel, but you know this is something that needs to be fixed and corrected because that's another part of the game where teams stay in it. You know. But, John, I know you did a lot of film study and a lot of breakdown uh, this past time. So what, what, what's, let's talk about the stuff that you wanted to see, that you saw from all, all four quarters. Or you don't have to act, legitimately go like quarter by quarter by quarter. But let's hear what you got to say. Well, I, I, like, I tried to really hone in on the offense because I, I wanted to see – I mean, there was a lot of – we've been talking – you know, our heads off about Sam Darnold and Trevor Lawrence and is Sam Darnold going to stay? And it's a lot of rhetoric, right? So I kind of just wanted to get into the offense. And man, oh man, Alex, number 60, number 68, number 62, and sometimes 76 are just horrendous, dude. Josh Andrews was so bad and McGovern. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, there were some plays – where it was almost baffling how bad they were. There was, there was, there were, I mean, obviously there's no question as to why Hughes was a defensive player of the AFC. I mean, that's the, of the week. That's obviously why, because they just isolated him on Josh Andrews and they clearly schemed against him. Um, speaking of the coaches though, Gates did give up the offensive duties. This week, and the offense was taken on the first half. In the first half, man, I, I really, really did like what I, what I saw, especially from the rookie Mims. Mims looked like an absolute beast out there, dude. He did, man. He was creating separation. He was catching the ball. His catch radius is like there. He looks. He looks like he has the tools to be, uh, like uh, to be a number one wide receiver or a high end number two, depending on how Joe Douglas decides to move forward with the next year's draft and the year after that, uh, seeing how he can fill out the weapons, whether it's for Sam Darnold or whoever he has under center moving forward. But Mims did show the part when he came back, and it was nice to see him play well. That's probably the one thing I did recognize from this. Not the one thing I recognized, but that was one of the things that stood out to me is that the rookies, for the most part, this game really played well on both sides of the ball. And it showed that Joe Douglas's draft class this first year for the guys who were available are capable of playing at a high level, uh, playing at a high level and just sticking with the offensive side, right? We have Mikai Becton, who's back just bulldozing people off the line. We have uh, Denzel Mims, who was just showing out, you know, he didn't go crazy. He didn't go off, but still within the first half, four catches for 42 yards, uh, for 42 yards. Very impressive. And then you have Michael Pirine, who had 40 yards the game, one touchdown, and was averaging 3.7 yards per touch. That's really good. He's, he's close to four yards carry. And uh, and and that's where Logan's play calling came into came into play because if while you're watching it, you can see that they when they ran with 77 as a lead blocker with Big Mackay Becton, they were get they were getting movement. You know what? They, they honestly were, and they ran a couple plays with uh, Wesco. 85 as a fullback or when they ran it behind them on tight end, they were doing well. I really liked what I saw out of Wesco this week. He was, he, he really impressed me. Ryan Griffin, um, which we'll get into a little bit when we're talking about players that were 
that are we're under contract next year. But he had a, he had an on and off game. He had some he had some whiffs, but he also had some decent decent plays that helped us. So I won't go off on him too much. But somebody who we gave a lot of slack to, uh, you and I, and I'm gonna blame Adam Gase for it because we we he kind of gave us too high of an expectation on him. But he really is playing really 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 well. Braxton Berrios. Braxton, great game in the slot, man. He played really well. He did, man. Braxton Berrios, I mean, he's not a rookie, though, so he wasn't part of that. He's not part of the rookie class, but he played really well in the slot, which is, is he, wait, what, you're shaking my, what? No, no, you're right. I was saying he wasn't part of the rookie. Sorry. I was just saying people that just like, really impressed me. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. He looks pretty good, man. And that's that's where I'm like fine moving off of Crowder like for this whole fire cell that, you know, Joe Douglas is doing is that we can use Berrios and he's starting to show that he can be a capable player. And those whole guys, like offensively, they're it's a nice, solid young group to be working with. We, you know, the the one thing is we do need more depth at wide receiver. But between uh, Barrios playing very well in the slot, getting he's he got he had what four catches for thirty five yards, but he was always making good catches and getting a little bit more. I think the longest one he had was twenty yards uh, that game. Um, but still, he was still, he was still, he's got, he's not like he has a, uh, a crazy motor, but he's just, he's just making the catches in open space and creating space. Yeah. He really looks like Wes Welker out there. He, he honestly does. He, he, he could be a really nice piece for us. Uh, I'll even say that Perryman had a good game until he, until he got injured. He, he really did spread the field and I'm going to go in on Darnold for a bit as good of a game as he had. And he had some dimes. He really did. But on the first drive of the game, which I'm sure is, was scripted, and that's why they did so well, he missed two wide-open touchdowns. One of the wide-open touchdowns was to Perryman. Perryman was well, had a, a step on his man and two steps on the safety. Okay, Sam Donovan could make that throw 10 out of 10 times and would have been a wide-open touchdown. Instead, he took a, you know, a seven-yard a seven pass you know, right up the middle. To the, to the running back, which is fine. You know what I mean? It was a first down. You know, no problem. But I'm just saying that that was – I'll be like a little nitpicky there. But he also missed Mims on a third down, and he was wide open for a touchdown. And him being late on it, he scrambled out because the pocket imploded too fast. And as he was – as he ran to the left to Mims' side, the whole defense was also coming towards Mims. He threw it. It was too late. And they had to go for the field goal. So I I will agree that, yes, it is the offensive line. It it, it was horrible, man. And and speaking as an amateur, right, I never played offensive line. I've never been in a coach's room. Uh, It was terrible. Like, honestly, Joe Douglas, you have some explaining to do for cutting Jonathan Harrison and putting Josh Andrews in there. Like, what is that, man? What's going on there? I have no idea. I think that's the biggest issue with Sam Darnold's regression, right? Things that we talk about that quarterbacks need to succeed. One, offensive line, first and foremost. You got to give him protection, and he's not consistently getting protection. And when he's not getting protection, right, it's the same thing that people talk about for Brady or anyone who's like a true pocket passer. Once they start getting hit, they start getting nervous and on edge because they don't know when it's coming. If you can create a clean pocket for a quarterback – then you're going to give him that time to grow, get the experience, go through the progressions. It's hard to go through progressions when you don't, you know, your wife's on the line every single time that you got someone coming through. And, you know, there were so many times where 
well, not so many times, but there were times where you saw Darnold had to step up into the pocket and try to take off because literally the pocket collapsed. All right, and oh, you could tell he's looking. You could tell he's looking. For, very seldom is he stepping into the pocket and delivering a throw. Like I think I saw like three or four really nice ones, um, but it's more often like snaps the ball, looks at his progression really quick, and then like is like okay, like where's the pressure coming from because I know what's coming, and then he's like, and then he's like almost at the end of the first, second, third progression. You know what I mean? That's really how it works for him. And I, you're, you're absolutely right, Alex. You, you can tell that he's not comfortable. But what you could also tell is how comfortable the entire offense was in that first half. No, for sure. And the thing is that they were moving, right? They were moving the ball. They kept it consistent. And you saw that Sam Darnold can make these throws. That's why when people say that Darnold's not it, it's ridiculous to me because we clearly see that he could put dimes out on the field when given the time and being able to work to his strength, which is now getting out of the pocket because let's be real, it's rare that we're getting like enough time for him in the pocket to make these type of like nice passes. And if we could just get him out into space, knowing that he's clear, then he can make those type of throws. And he's also good at throwing on the move, which is what we're asking for, right? Which is, this is what Darnold needs to be successful. You got to work with what you got. And we'd have a poor line, get him outside, get him out. We we were running it so well where we could have done play action enough to get him outside of the pocket to then get it downfield. But I'm yeah, no, it's not great, but still like it was because like you like when 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 they ran it behind Josh Andrews, it was tough. And honestly, McGovern was getting bullied. Like McGovern got bullied out there, man. I I really don't know if he could be if he's our starting center next year. Uh, he got he was getting bullied and almost obviously because. The, the the Bills started rushing only three or four and just putting the blitzes just on, on, the, on the edges because they just knew that they needed to isolate our interior line. Sure, Alex Lewis is hurt. I get it. Sure, Cam Clark, who I'm really excited about, our rookie, who was a starting left tackle in college. Uh, hopefully, I've, It looks like he was practicing at guard. Hopefully, he's, he's going to take one of the guard positions. Um Duke Mayweather said he could play at any position uh, on on the line, and he's going to thrive. So you know, and I believe him. So I'm I'm hoping that it'll it'll get better. But Mims on number twenty seven on you know on Trey White he he had he played really well. Wesco had a really good game. Ryan Griffin was eh. Herndon played decent. Beckton had a really good game, except for one or two mistakes. I, I was kind of I was impressed. Like Perryman did okay, even though he got hurt. And I guess his biggest problem is he can't stay on the field. Berrios was great. You know, I'm, I, 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 to be honest, I really, I really loved what I saw. The second half, I know, I know the four yards. But when you go through it, they had such limited time of possession, right? They don't. I know they had a lot of possessions, and it, that's part of their fault, right? Because they kept going three and out. <laughs> you know, that's why you have a small time of possession. I, I get it. But uh, they couldn't handle their blitzes. At the end of the day, the Bills are a better team, better head coach. They adjusted in the second half. They figured out exactly what the Jets are doing, what their new game plan was with Logans instead of Adam Gase. And they adjusted and they killed us. And that's why Sam Darnold was so pissed off in the, po- in the post-game press conference, came out, and he was just like, hey, man, we don't adjust. 
Like, you know what I'm saying? He's starting to get pissed off. And everyone's like, oh, look what you guys are doing. You guys are killing him. You're killing Sam Darnold. Like, none of that. Stop buying all the nonsense. Well, what's really happening is Sam Darnold is, is, is done sticking up for Gase. He's done. You know what I'm saying? That's what he's really done with. He's not done with the Jets. He's done with his head coach. And you could tell. Yeah, for sure. It, look, this has been the issue this entire season. This was an issue last season. That's why, you know, when they went on the 6-2 and two stretch, it was after he spoke to Gase. This team fails to adjust after getting hit in the mouth. And it really needs to change. That's what good teams are able to do. They're able to adjust, be prepared, come back out, say, all right, they figured us out. How are we going to attack? How do we counter? It's always about the counter, you know? This team likes to play it under the under this uh, coaching staff a little too easy, which is like we have a script and we're going to stick by it no matter what happens. And that's just not real. That's just not real football. Good teams are ready for, you know, it's like, you know, it's like being like us as attorneys, right? You get ready for every possible opposition, every possible counter argument, every possible uh, just thought that could be out there. Like if it's in your mind, they, t- they teach you to write it down in law school. And it's clearly not what it's, it's clearly what Gase and his coaching staff isn't doing. They're not thinking about every possible outcome when they're looking at the film of what opposing teams can do and be ready for that type of counter. And that needs to change moving forward. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you. So speaking about the rookies, uh, we have Cager getting back to the practice squad. We have Kyle Phillips, who unfortunately got injured this game. He's going to IR, uh, who was our undrafted rookie from last year. Uh, Fatsu Cassie and the boys are stepping in, though. Um, and they're also – there are young guys, right, um, stepping in for McClendon also, mm-hmm. who's gone now. Um, so I'm excited about that. We also have Jabari Zuniga. I'm not sure if I said that right. Um, but he was our uh, third rounder from Florida. Hopefully he's not like, you know, Jackie Polite. <laughs> who, was a, who was a defensive end from Florida who never saw a single game with us but got a sack with Dallas. That was fun to watch on primetime TV. Very nice. Very, very nice. We can always be happy for our, our exes who go succeed somewhere else or get uh, the limelight for just one play. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess um, that that's really it for the Bills game. And, yes, we are procrastinating talking about week eight because – we are staring at uh, Goliath here. Um, or we're about to get into thick of it, but I just want to give out a shout out for a couple guys. Like I think we have to give a little shout out for our defense this past uh, game because they really, they played really well. No touchdowns, all field goals, and that's the way that uh, a team beats us. Kudos to them. Like they played their they played their asses off, man. And really, Q Will stepping up, Bryce Huff. Bryce Huff with that crazy tackle for that end around that just he just blew it up. He's looking pretty good, pretty promising. Marcus May with a solid game. Pulio doing his thing. Come on, man! It, it's the, the, you couldn't ask more from your defense. They Greg Williams did something for this game. He he stepped it up. But you know what? It's, always, it's I think it's always easier when you're playing your divisional rivals because you already know what their game plan is. You already know what to set them up for. And I think the only person what. Buffalo's reeling. I mean, Buffalo hasn't been doing that well on offense. You know what I mean? I know. And I don't know if that's because uh, John Brown's been in and out of the lineup, their other wide receiver. I mean, it's a lot of pressure on Cole uh, Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs. So I don't know if that's playing a part on it. But regardless, you got to take what the opposing team's giving you. And they did that. And it's really on the offense at this point where they need to step up and play and win that game. It was a, it was a winnable game. Um, 
offense was, as we discussed, like there were some bright spots in the offense, but just got to adjust. Got to adjust what the defense is throwing at you. Yeah, so what are we going to do against the Week 8 uh, Chiefs when uh... – well, if, honestly, I'm not. I'm. I'm not too worried about their defense. Uh, they have an okay pass rush, but honestly, their defense is kind of meh. Um, but our offensive line is worse, so I can't really say much there. However, when you're such a big underdog, you know, in a game, not even point spread wise, but just like everybody knows wise, like the Chiefs are amazing, and we're own the own seven Jets with the worst point differential. There's there's nothing to hide in this game, John. We we all know why this is a true underdog game. <laughs> yeah, and like when when things like that happen, there's almost nothing to lose for the Jets. And like with certain players, like an offensive lineman, like I could see the offensive line like doing okay. So I don't think that we're gonna get like absolutely like I don't think our offense is gonna get absolutely crushed. You know what I'm saying? I don't think like we're gonna just be doing like three and outs, three and outs, three and outs. Can't move the ball. And, you know, it's gonna it's, it's not going to look like that. But I do think our defense is going to have a, a, a little bit of an issue when we can't generate a pass rush against the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, man, it's going to be ugly passing-wise. You know, uh, sheesh. I'll say this. I just have no idea who's going to guard Travis Kelsey. I have literally no idea. I have no idea who's going to guard. Uh, who are we putting on uh, Tyreek Hill, Pierre Desir? This is. I mean, yeah, we could like double him. You know what I mean? We could put like a safety, like a corner and a safety. Like you could, you could handle Tyreek Hill. You could handle, you know, if Sammy Watkins comes back. Like uh, not not for the whole game, but you could you could like hang out around him. McDougal could have some. We could scheme that, but like you can't scheme a pass rush, obviously, because blitzes don't work. So. <laughs> I have no idea what like what's gonna like. First of all, I know that Le'Veon Bell is gonna be running like like he has uh, a firecracker in his shoes. I'm I am I am positive that's gonna be happening. Expect Le'Veon Bell to be the featured back this game, and for Andy Reid's drawing something up. Andy Reid has got something planned. Andy Reid is going to do something in the passing game for sure, though, to show. Hey, look at this guy. He's pretty good. An offensive coordinator who um, technically was passed over for Adam Gase. I mean, he had an interview with the Jets, and so did Gase, and he chose him. So, I mean, anybody who ever had – who has a competitive bone in their body, um, none like notwithstanding being a defensive – um, offensive coordinator for a New York fo- – for like, a, you know, a, the Kansas City football team, I mean – he is probably ready to absolutely murder Adam Gates on the field. I Okay, so a little fun fact. There's a lot of commotion in my one of my fantasy football leagues. I'm not the commissioner of this one. Trade happened where Patrick Mahomes was traded for Matt Ryan and DJ Moore. Questionable trade. Don't really care. Um, but... The person who traded it, I was speaking. I was speaking with them. They're my buddy, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, I could just see them just running it down uh, the Jets all day." Like Pat Mahomes probably doesn't have to do much for this game. I'm like, "True," or because the Jets secondary is so bad, uh, they just wide it up. <laughs> well, our secondary is okay, but like I, I don't, I don't really think it's gonna be a oh, what are the Jets gonna give us and and 
And, you know, we'll work around that for the Chiefs. The Chiefs are coming in with a game plan. They're ready to go. Le'Veon Bell's going to do his thing. Kelsey do his thing. Like, they'll take – as much as I love May, like, if, if, if they get a safety one-on-one with Kelsey and May, like, they're going to take that one-on-one all day long, and Kelsey's going to win it, you know, maybe like six out of seven times. I mean, I, if, I don't know. if Avery Williamson is on Travis Kelsey, it's about to be over. I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, they'll just scheme that. They'll just be like, you know what, like – We'll make it so Marcus May has to go over, you know, in a dime package or over over the safety, and then we're just going to go against Avery Williamson. Like, Travis Kelsey, run at that guy. You know what I'm saying? Because he can't guard you. Well, the thing is, like, you're not scheming, like you said. You're, no one's scheming for, like, oh, what do the Jets do? And, like, come in here and we got to work around that. No, they just scheme, and then we actually have to work around them because that's the team that we're – that's the team we are right now. So, look. Chiefs are going to come in there just going to play the normal game of just passing, running, doing whatever they want to do offensively. Defensively, I, I agree with you that they're not they're not scary. The, look, we we see other teams score on the Chiefs, all right? We saw the Las Vegas Raiders do it. We saw uh the Chargers do it. And we're not, I'm not saying these are all great teams, right? But we see that a rookie quarterback who I'll give credit to Justin Herbert. He's looking phenomenal right now. But Teams are able to pass on the Chiefs. I think we can do the same. I think we can pass on them. Scoring? Eh. But we'll be able to pass on them and get some yards. So how about that 19 and a half? That is the most comical. I am i don't think... When's the last time I've ever seen 19 and a half as like... That's what happens, man. That's what happens when you're midway through a season and you can't even cover a spread. Where not only are we 0-7, we're 1-6 against the spread. What do you? I'm. I actually want to know. I wish people out in, who work in Vegas just let me know. Like, what are you guys doing for calculations now when you see the Jets? Like, you can't. You, there's no way you're getting the line right because we can't even cover. So, like, what's, they can't even adjust to how bad Adam Gase is. But we did cover last game, so maybe you know, maybe you can tease this one up. You add that six and a half, you get like almost four four possessions. Um, it'll be close. Um, I, I don't know. Without sounding like too much of a fanboy. I I I definitely expect like a solid two possession lead the entire game, but I just don't expect it to feel like such a crazy blowout. You know, I don't expect it to feel like the San Francisco 49ers game, but it very well, you know, it, it, the score can end up being like that. I just feel like we're going to be moving a little bit better than that just because we have nothing to lose and so much pride on the line. You can tell like during the weekly calls on Barnon or on the local New York radio stations, the players are pissed off. I mean, like they, they need a win. It, it, like they just need that one win. And you could tell that's what they're talking about. Like we just like, yo, we just need that one win, man. We just need to win one because as much as we hate watching them lose every game and like we're embarrassed to, to watch them and like say that even we're Jets fans out loud, they cannot go down in the books as being 0 16. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're gonna have to live with that forever. Like they don't. As much as I don't want to live with that for the rest of my life, like I'm still thinking about Pete Carroll and Rich Kotite. You know, because they had the one win seasons. Like they and I don't want them to have the 0 and 16 season, even if it means like the number one pick. Like I'll take the the number one, even though we have the hardest schedule, so we'll still get the number one, even if it's a tiebreaker. But I, I don't know, man. I I think I think that they're gonna pull one off. It's not gonna be against the Chiefs. But just but just that mentality makes me think that they're gonna be they're gonna show out better than they did against the 49ers. Does that make any sense? No, it does make sense. I get I get what you're saying. That you know the 
the players are getting hungry. They're trying to work towards something. Um, it's definitely not going to be this week where they get something. This is just not that game. It's going to be some rando game. It would be sweet, though. It would be sweet. It would be sweet. End of the season, just against Bell. Whatever, what they're going to get absolutely murdered, 19 and a half. It would, this would be, this would be, and Gase would ride this win into the, into the, literally the sunset. Like, it was probably the number, like the top of his resume, like in bold. <laughs> what did you accomplish with the New York Jets? Won one game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Sir, didn't you go like six and two in the latter half of the year before? Didn't you guys go seven and nine? No, 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 no. You didn't hear me. We beat the Kansas City Chiefs in 2020. I am therefore an offensive genius. <laughs> yeah, like he, he's like he's like waiting on something dumb like this to happen for him to like you know carry for the next like six years. Oh my god! Honestly, I I don't. I'm not even ready to talk about if he gets another job after this. It's just I can't even get to that that end. That's that's for that's for the end of the season talk. Um, but who do you who, who who are you excited to see in this game? Is there anybody on the offense or the defense? Because like we're 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 into the offseason scouting already, right? So like we're already did, like we're already our defensive line, you guys are looking good. Our secondary is looking okay. Um Hewitt even had a really good game. Like we're 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 looking okay, right? Our, our, our young offensive guys. I'm really excited about more Mims, right? But that's an easy one. I, I really am excited to see how we use Wesco more. Mm-hmm. He had some weird fullback things. I really, I, I want to see him. If he could be a lead blocker for us, that'd be so awesome. I, I think that'd be so cool. Um, if he actually turns into a fullback, I want to see Griffin improve a little bit, even though I don't have high expectations. I would love to see more Chris Herndon. He's good, man. I really don't want to give up on him. So like, those are, those are my guys. I, I'm not uh, like, I don't think we should give up on him, but I'm looking more so for Chris Herndon first. Uh, out of everyone because he showed some life this past game against the Bills. Definitely looking for Mims uh, on the offensive side. Um, obviously, number 14, Sam Darnold. I really want to see, you we know, I want to. We need Clark for Sam Darnold to thrive. Yeah. I mean, Mekhi back then is just fun to watch guys pancake the living daylights out of people. Um, and I, I don't know. Like, I guess with Michael Piran, I want to see how well he starts to develop as a running back, you know? So. Offensively, those guys. What do you think about Piron? Much into him. Um, I think it looks okay. I, I like for a rookie running back. You know, some guys take some time to develop. I'm not. I don't think he's going to be anything wildly crazy from the looks of it. But I think he may need time to really become something more established as a running back. But he so he showed some life. He showed that he can get around the edge. He can catch. Um, I think he just needs more time to develop. Huh? But it looked like Bilal Powell. Yeah, a little BP. I miss BP. Um, a little bit like him though, right? Like just like a little bit, like a little shifty. Like yeah, you could kind of trust him. He's probably gonna make some turnovers. You know, just he's nice, nice little player. Yeah, I like him. That's why I think like if he becomes like Bilal Powell, that's a good like change of pace back. But that's why I said I don't see anything um, like game changing. But to be fair, there's there's been running backs who haven't had that type of play style like Derrick Henry. I'm not and not saying he's gonna be Derrick Henry, but I'm just saying they're players who take time to get into their whole game form. That's it. They just need guards, man. He needs a guards and, and a center. And uh I guess this um just because I forgot to mention it uh about the Bills game and uh we're gonna see it now. 
And we're just because we're doing a preview of the Chiefs game, and I really don't want to see it next week. On a third down, Sam Darnold audibled to Braxton Berrios for wide receiver screen with his hand. The Buffalo Bills, three of them pointed at Braxton Berrios, changed up their entire defensive scheme, and almost absolutely murdered Sam Darnold and Braxton Berrios in that play. And, like, what drives me insane is Sam Darnold. I get it, dude. You saw something. You saw a crazy blitz, right? Like an all-out blitz or something. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to get it with the screen, and this is going to be great. But if you see the other team, like, reading exactly what you did and adjusting to, like, they're going to leave the blitz, but also, like, leave one guy on, like, on Berrios, like, do something else. You know what I mean? Like, like. Do do anything else? Like I don't understand. Is it is that is is that what everybody means when they say that Adam Gaze is holding Sam Donald back? But then Logan's was a coach, so I don't know. You know what I mean? Does like another coach like allow you to do something else? Does another coach better yet tell you you know what to do? And like he kind of doesn't know to so, switch it up a third time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm just not sure. But that those kind of plays where I'm able to see that the Chiefs recognize it and are going to absolutely murder you on a pivotal third down. I don't understand. Call timeout, dude. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't get it. 100% agree. Needs to call timeout when someone's pointing it out. When someone figures out what you're about to do, you got to call it or, or audible to something else quickly. Depends how much time is left in the time, on the clock, right? But to answer your question to why he audibles for that and nothing changes is because, one, they only have they only have like a Rolodex, right? For whatever the offense is that everyone could be on the same page on. We gotta understand that there's a lot of new guys, so it's not a complex playbook that they're running right now, right? This is where I say you need consistency on the offense. The more consistency you have, the deeper you can dive into that playbook. We we don't have that right now. Too many new players on the line, too many new players at wide receiver, and now too many players at running back. So we can't, you know, we can't keep adjusting. No one can get on the same page. We didn't have true OTAs. We didn't have a true, like, we didn't have true preseason to figure out how to shift and do all those type of things and reads that people are going to be showing uh, the Jets. Like, there's, it, it's just hard to get out of that. It's just hard to change and get a team prepared for that, right? So I think when it comes to the audible, he's not changing it or doing anything with it because, how much more can they actually learn? A playbook, you know, a playbook is, is extensive. It's it's nothing. It's not simple. How much more? How much do they care? At this point, I, I mean, I wouldn't care either. At this point, which to be in all honesty, like you're oh, a new language that you don't have to use anymore. After you have six more weeks of high school Spanish, you don't need to. You know what I'm saying? And you there's no there's no regions at the end of this one. Like you know what I'm saying? Like why would you even care? Like I really think that's how it is. Yeah, that's a fact. And for people who don't know what New York State Regents are, it's a terrible exam that no one should ever have to take. Um, in high school. <laughs> yeah, in high school. And that you need to graduate. Uh, but yeah, like who cares? Like you're 0-6. You already said like you're 0-6. You're not going to the playoffs. The, the road to get to the playoffs now, especially with the latter half of the season, not even possible. Just not even possible. So like I think one, they do care like – they don't really care that much. At the same time, they do care because they want to win. Like they do, as you said, they want one win of a game. But I think when it comes to like warning a playbook that they're not going to have to use anymore, 
why start getting crazy in depth to it, right? Why start learning the complete nuances of it? Because if you don't have faith in the guy who's teaching it to you, why even put that much effort into it? Yeah. So, I mean, I agree. I got, I got, I got a question for you though. I know we talked about the offense who we wanted to see. Who do you want to see on defense against the Chiefs? Because for me, I want to see Q Will. I want to see uh, May continue to play well uh, now that he's back to being free safety. And uh, I do want to see uh, Lamar Jackson, not that Jackson, the other Jackson. Well, he honestly, now he is our Lamar Jackson. Now the other guy is the other Lamar Jackson. Yeah, no. I, it was just funny like when we drafted Lamar Jackson that night. It's yeah. like, we drafted Lamar Jackson. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, he's good. Uh, from the from the defense, I mean, would you believe me if I, I – I can't even tell you how many snaps Henry Anderson played. The guy played so many damn snaps. I can't I, – he's so bad on the field. And I, there's like one specific play that like I can't get out of my head where he's like – where he's, he's just trying – he's face-to-face with Josh Allen. And instead of just, like, running at him full force and just, like, hitting him, he's trying to, like, block, block his pass, right? So he pump fakes twice and he and he leaves his feet twice. So then, obviously, Josh Allen's not going to get sacked because he got the guy to leave his feet twice. Like, come on, dude. I, 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 if, if we could trade Henry Anderson for a, a, a conditional seventh-round pick, like, please, God, do that. Like, I, I really – I do not need to see him on the team. Jordan Jenkins – he is a ghost. I guess I, I can't find him. It, like we, there's a like he's missing in action. I don't know where that guy is. So if, if if we can get some sort of pass rush, man, I would be the happiest person ever. There's one person who's kind of interesting that I, I don't know if he's gonna play this week yet because uh, we're recording on Wednesday. But Peanut Peanut uh, is back on the Wusar, who we signed, the linebacker. Um, if he if he gets on the field, that'd be nice to watch, and that's what he does. He he's a pass rusher. We do got um, the pass rusher rookie from uh, Florida who might make his debut as well. So those guys in the defense, I'd love to see um, what what they can do. Q will please God stay. He's going to be here. <laughs> uh, I don't think he's going to be traded. I want him to continue to do well. He had a great game, and you know with Kyle Phillips officially out. I mean the the shepherd and Fatukasi like they they got some work to do. They got they they're they're now auditioning for next year for real for real. You know what I mean? So him and Bless Austin, right? They they I really want to see them and Bryce Huff like make just strides. I know it's the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Just don't miss assignments. You know, like make tackles, don't let anyone get behind you. You know what I mean? Just that, that's all you got to do. For sure, no, totally, and I agree. I agree with that. All those takes whatsoever. I, I guess since you brought it up, though, I do wanna, I do wanna run on this whole riff if it's okay with you. Uh, the Q will trade rumors. Um, boy, what a day! <laughs> boy, what a day! Manish Meta comes out with trade rumors saying that Joe Douglas is looking to move him. Then every other beat reporter comes out and says, "No, he's not." Not every other. Every beat reporter, because Manish Mehta is officially not a beat reporter for the New York Jets. You're right. You're right. Every beat reporter does. Thank, thank you for correcting me. Every beat reporter comes out and says that's not true. And then, uh, I don't know. Like, what do you make of this? What, what do you make the whole situation? I don't think Q Will is necessarily being actively shopped by JD. 
But I think JD is doing the true thing that he's sticking by is like if someone calls and makes an offer, he's going to listen. And if he gets like like uh, swept off his feet by an offer, I don't think he's going to deny it. Okay, this is twofold. One, what do I make of this? I make of it that Manish Mehta is on his vengeance tour of absolutely hating the New York Jets organization. They took away his they took away his they took away McCagnin, his GM, they took away his scouts. What's up, Alex? I, I'm just saying this is not any revenge tour. He's been on a tour for a very long time. <laughs> no, 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 this is different, man. When when they put when Gase won the Civil War with McCagnin and Gase was the G, acting GM and he fired the, his boys, the scouts as well, Manisha's boys. And then he had the whole Jamal Adams, uh, I guess like manifesto, right? Where he came out in this interview, like literally like abusing the front office and the head coaches, right? It's just like that, that was by Manish Mehta. And then how'd that end? with Manish losing his credentials to the Jets. Anything this guy writes, if, if you don't see the implicit bias in, like, I, I have a bridge to sell you. It's called the Brooklyn Bridge. Like, I'll write you up the pink slip. And, and like, we'll, we'll, come to, we'll come to a deal because, like, you're, you believe anything. I 100% agree with you with that. I think my thing, my my joke is a little bit uh, tongue in cheek, saying that for so long there's never been any positive writing about the New York Jets, which is why I'm saying that's been his revenge tour. That his entire time has been. This is different. Tour. Like he he usually like yeah slanders the Jets, like like says things that are like it's almost like our own version of Skip Bayless. He really is. He's like the Jets version of Skip Bayless for the fans. Like he always says the opposite of what we all think and like says weird takes and, you know, like half truth in it and kind of expands it um, using like weird transitive properties. Right. Like, and it's never correct. So that's kind of, that's kind of the role he's been playing, but right now he's on a, he's on a, he's on a tear. So the Q will thing, uh, when it, what comes to what's actually happening with Joe Douglas, I don't think he's shopping him the same way he did shop Jamal Adams. Uh, or that way that he shopped Le'Veon Bell, where he was like, okay, this guy's going to stay here. He's going to be on our squad, but we're still listening to offers. That's a bit I, – I, I do think it's a bit different because when you call for a Q-Will, you start with – like if, if Jamal Adams is getting you two first-round picks, like uh, the Q-Will conversation, the, the hall, it, it, it's, it's, it's just a high bar to start at. So I don't even think that – Joe Douglas is even getting phone calls that even open that first door, right? I don't even think that's happening. And because of that, Manish knows that he, he knows that somebody has called and they're like, yo, what can I get for Q Will? And they're like, oh, insane amount. And so, bam, they're shopping Q Will. And now I could like light a little flame and see what happens. No, what, I, what's I, interesting I, though is, you know, people like Rich. I'll let you go off, but it, there's people like Brian Costello, um, you know, the writers of the New York Post who are like clearly writers for the Johnsons, clearly. But there's people like Rich, Rich Simony and like the athletic writers who they have no – they have like really no stake in the game. And they have – they want to make fun of Gase and the Jets just as much as we do, right? And they want to praise them just as much as we do. And they were so quick, like you pointed out, 
to come out and refute that statement. So my question to you is why? Why would they all go do that? Why would they just ignore it? Because if you notice, <laughs> Rich Simini's been subtweeting Manish Mehta for the last like couple of weeks. He hasn't like really come out and like made a news story about his news story. He's just like subtweeting him, like completely ignoring him. But they all kind of gave this story traction and like defunct it. Like, what are your thoughts about that? Just because it's really interesting, this like weird Jets dynamic uh, that's been going on. It's a really interesting time. And even when you get uh, Cromartie uh, weighing in on the matter. Um, but I think, I think, I think they just see what I think they're, I think they are trying to hold themselves to their own standards, right? I think when you look at uh, Connor Hughes, when you look at Brian Costello, when you look at Rich Semini, they're all trying to hold themselves to this journalistic standard and trying to do the best job that they can to one report and then two, try to connect the dots to thinking what these guys are doing, right? Whether it's right, like, as you said, maybe writing for the Johnsons or keeping it neutral to the best of their ability. I think they're legitimately trying to connect the dots as a good beat reporter does. It's like, oh, you know, they did X, maybe X will lead to Y and then Y will lead to Z. And this is how we get to this conclusion, right? Um, I think with uh, Meta at this point, it's vengeance, as you already said. And, you know, look, we saw this past summer. Uh, do you remember the whole uh, Gay's Burner account thing that he started up? Oh, my God. So I, I think I think we I think we know where we, we stand with Manish Meta. And even like in the in the past, like it's always been a snarky, highly critical view of the Jets, which I don't necessarily think has always been fair. Um, but in all honesty, I think that to this report, Q will being traded. I don't think, like I said, I don't think JD's actively shopping him. I think you pointed out, I think someone did make a call. I think there is some truth in between and it's how do you run with the truth? Right. And I think you pointed out correctly saying that he probably did hear that JD got a call and, you know, just to start some more frustration and maybe fragment within the locker room. That's, that's my take from this because if you want, if you want to see the ship burn, what what better way than to create more of a rip between the players and the head coach? Honestly, yeah, and you know what, man, the the Jets' boat has been burned, right, and charred, and the fire has been put out, and we're just a charred boat, and we're still afloat somehow in, in the ocean, and he's pissed off. You know what I mean? Like that's what it is. Like we're just like some like boat with like holes in it. And like, you know, like there's holes in the sail and we're going in the middle of the water, but like we're somehow still floating and he's pissed off that Adam Gase is still on the ship. Like he's just pissed off and he wants it all to just end, but it's not gonna. Adam Gase is going to be there. We all saw Chris Johnson waiting for Adam Gase at the end of the tunnel, right? Like their best buds. I mean, he, honest to God, Alex, like to keep it 100, to keep it absolutely real, he's being a good manager. He's being like, like he, he, he's, he owns his franchise. Like he promises guy, I'm going to keep you. He's filling his contract. It's the only way that he's going to have a competent team the next seven weeks. He owes it to those players to at least have a competent team. Like we're not going to have a competent team with Greg Williams as the head coach. And he can't pick Greg Williams head coach. They bicker every four minutes on the sidelines. Like this week's news pregame was that they were friends. They were talking nice. Like that was the news for the Jets pregame this week. Like that's what we're, that's like that's where the bar is. You know what I mean? So he can't give that guy the keys to the organization on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Dude, like I said to begin with, you can't because one. Okay, here's the thing. 
And I agree with you. Like, uh, yeah, like, uh, and you can't just, you just can't hand it over to uh, Greg Williams at this point. It's just incompetent. Like you would literally, Chris Johnson would actually be incompetent. Like right now he's not being competent. Like this guy's a real head coach. He's trying, you know, there's, there's, there's problems. Like, but if he fires this guy and then he puts this guy, like now you're being incompetent. Like now you're not putting players in the position to succeed. And here's the thing, like it's spoken – it's like we listen to all like NFL podcasts, how people perceive Greg Williams, and it's not in a good light. So if you do that, if you fire Adam Gase who – you know, it's one thing to clown on Adam Gase every single day, but then to put in a guy who was once in charge of the bounty gate who then is continuously telling guys to hit guys late after the play, like there's a bigger issue then. And he ratted out Vilma with bounty gate as well so not only what he did he do it he also like ran it out them like i have no idea how that guy is even on the sideline connections man connections but yeah but okay so that that's how you feel about the q will and i i know we got into it uh extensively last week but since the trade deadline's coming up who else do you need to, who else are you who else are you hoping that either doesn't suit up for this game because last week was our last jets game or this sunday will be their last game because, as we know, the Jets like to milk that last game out of you <laughs> before they uh, send you out of here. For uh, for me, it's uh, – again, we mentioned it. Henry Anderson, if we can get a conditional seventh-round pick from a squad, I will – I'll drive him to the airport. Uh, if anyone wants Griffin, we still have about a million and a half on him next year and then another half a million in 2022. So we got $2 million left on this guy. I- I'll drop – I'll – I'll drive you them to the airport. Like any any draft pick, any round. Like I'll I'll take everyone. Um, and then Jordan Jenkins, if we can get something, Crad and Williamson and Poole, McDougal, just anything for those guys. Watching them succeed somewhere else, like Bell's gonna succeed with the Chiefs, and or getting some compensation would be just fantastic. Those are just my guys to keep a, an eye out on. Crowder to the Packers. Let's do it. That's what I want. Man, I want almost every wide receiver to go to the Packers, but shout out to us for calling the Will Fuller thing. He's being rumored uh, to be shopped right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as we said, the Texans are kind of also in a rebuild. They are. They they are. Um, so I think Will Fuller will Will Fuller or or Crowder to the Packers, or maybe both. Who, know, who the hell knows? I mean, they're they're not in the same category compensation wise, so they honestly could uh, be able to net both. Yeah, they could, and you know. Devonta Adams is the only guy right now. Marquez Valdez-Scantling isn't really uh, doing it. They lost Alan Lazard to a core injury, and that's TBD to when he'll be coming back. So they need guys on the outside and playing in the slot to help him work. You know, it's it's this it's this whole thing with the Packers, but we don't have to go uh, too far into that. But I hope I hope I hope Crowder goes to the Packers. I think he'll really thrive there. Honestly, just. He's such a good security blanket, which is the only consistent thing. And I really think if we had crowded this past game, things would be totally different because you just see Sam was not fully comfortable. Like, oh, crap. And you called it at the beginning of the season. Crowder's a security blanket. And it's like, go, Crowder, just go. Like, truly, that's the only guy he's really comfortable with. Man, Crowder's going to be so good on whatever team he goes to. I cannot. I need him in the playoffs. I need to watch him on third downs. You know, I and you, you kind of mentioned this. Um, and we and then we kind of uh, tore it down because of Adam Humphreys. But I think uh, Crowder would look pretty good in Tennessee. 
I think he would too. I think he would just thrive. But then I would I would be a little upset because I do have uh, Jonah Smith on <laughs> as my fantasy tight end in two weeks. So please, no, 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 no. And that wraps it up for uh, Alex's fantasy corner and <laughs> the Jets episode this week. Um, but Alex, what do we got for etc. All right. So for etc. today, we're going to talk about some key marquee games that I find interesting, and hopefully you do as well. Uh, so let's start it off with that first one. I think there's just a lot of drama around this team in general because we're now seeing Tampa Tom just succeeding down with his new team, and the Patriots are 2-4. and four. So Patriots and Bills, how do, you, how do you feel about this game? I'm really looking forward to this one. Bills just got the get-right game against uh, the New York Jets, so anyone, if you need a get-right game... Come on and play the New York Jets. But Patriots haven't been looking so well. They lost to a banged-up uh, 49ers this past week. They also lost the week before. What do you think? Well, the the Bills haven't been looking too hot either, honestly. Did they, did they really have a get-right game versus, versus the Jets? I know that was what was on the schedule, but they didn't really get too right. I mean, MVP Allen was kind of stuffed at the line by the 32nd-ranked defense. Um, I don't know. How they they tried to they we got them off their run philosophy. Stefan Diggs didn't really do anything till like the second half. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. Like it's not truly like a get right game where everyone's just clicking on all cylinders, but it got them back on the winning winning column, which I think is enough to at least consider like a get right game. Which is you know they lost two games, now they won, so now they can go in here at least saying, hey guys, we did it. You know, we beat we barely beat this team, but at least we did it. So. But what do you think about the Patriots? I think this is one that's very interesting, though. Like, seriously, the Patriots, like... Yeah, I mean, I I was expecting them to beat the San Francisco 49ers last week. Uh, Didn't turn out that way. But I thought was the most interesting thing to come out... Two things that I thought were the really most interesting things to come out of that game was, number one, they benched Cam Newton. Mm -hmm. And you could just see Bill Belichick do that on the side. Like, dude, this is on you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could just tell when he went over there, he's like, this is on you. I'm benching you. Like, learn this lesson. You know what I mean? You, can, I, I kind of, like, felt that. And the second lesson, Bill Belichick lesson, and you get this being a Jets fan. Like, I'm, we're just so in tune with the team. Stefan Gilmore trade rumors. The only reason this Stefan Gilmore trade rumors is because he definitely did something last week that Bill Belichick did not like, whether it was on the sideline, whether it was on the field, whether it was in practice. And Belichick did not like it. And so he's like, yo, you know what, Gilmore? You think you're the man? You think you're the highest paid? You think you're, just because you're the best player on the Patriots, we won't trade you? All right, here's a, here's here's some Adam Shefty uh, trade rumors for you on Twitter. Like, let's see how you can handle it. You know what I mean? And those things, those like Belichick, like as much as I hate the Patriots and hate Bill Belichick more than anything, like, man, oh, man, like that scares me. And especially with the, Bill, with, with the Jets able to run a scheme – on the Bills, um, and then how they adjusted. Like, Bill Belichick has that tape, too. Like, not only how, how he could do well against them, but how they adjust to that. Uh, I don't know. I see I see the Patriots in a route, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think I see the Patriots coming back and winning this one. One, because Cam Newton now has to show up because, let's be real, he was just straight dookie. Also, I have him on my fantasy team. Gave me negative .62 points. Thanks a lot for nothing, bro. Still like you as a quarterback. Uh, 
But no, like even when you look at how uh, Bill Belichick, he went up, gave him a pat on the leg saying, look, next time. But like giving him like that firm, like, look, this is, as you said, this is on you. Like you got to play better than this. And with Stefan Gilmore, we saw what he did to Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins said, I want more money. He's like, all right, you want more money? Go out to Cleveland. Go see how that feels. So, and he would not, he would gladly trade Gilmore to a losing team, the Jets. <laughs> he would do that. Gilmore's actually good at football. He would never give him to the Jets. No, I'm like, like the Browns. I mean, the Browns are actually what I'm saying. They throw him to like a losing team. Like, all right, go, go see what it's like to be on a losing team. Don't say anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely used to be the Browns. So, uh, a lot more, uh, maybe it's like the Cowboys now. Ooh, that's a good one. Or maybe the Vikings. <laughs> Who are, by the way, I mean, they have the, they, they might be two and five, the Cowboys, but they're 0 and seven against the spread. So the Jets are doing a little bit better than the Cowboys <laughs> with the one and six. That's for sure. And that's actually another game. Let's move on to that one. Cowboys versus Eagles. Good segue for this one. What do you think about this game? I, the NFC East, I said at the beginning of the season, we said it on this podcast, it is a it is a dirty division. You never know who's going to come out on top. And my, oh, my, my, oh, my. That Eagles versus Giants game last week, that was the epitome of this division. You think the Giants have it, and then the Eagles somehow just come out on Thursday night football and just win. And the most comical thing was the the the, the, the Danny Dimes uh, tripping himself up. <laughs> On the 80-yard run. But what do you think, man? Do you think the Cowboys come out with this one? I don't think so. I think the Eagles come in, but I think it's going to be the sloppiest game still that we have ever seen. Uh, I really don't want to even get into Danny Jones because I actually really did like what I saw out of Duke. I could not believe the Giants traded up for him. But the man is addicted to turnovers. So I really don't even want to talk about Daniel Jones. But regarding the Cowboys and Eagles – the Cowboys, and don't take this lightly, they might have the worst offensive line and defense combination I've ever seen in my entire life. And the fact that the Eagles are only seven and a half point favorites against this Cowboys team is, and the fact that the Cowboys are 0 7 against the spread, you know what I mean? Like, it, the, it's either an indictment of how bad the Eagles are or we just do not know how – it's unprecedented how bad the Cowboys are because, like, people are watching the Jets a lot. So it's like, oh, look, that's what a really bad football team is. The Cowboys are not that. They have, like, Amari Cooper and Zeke Elliott. And, you know, they have, like, nice names and jerseys, right, and a nice stadium and fans and everything. So it just look, looks different. But, man, oh, man, this Cowboys team has looked horrific. I expect the Eagles to have, like, six sacks, absolutely ravage them. I think Alshon Jeffrey's coming back for them. Um, is Goddard coming off of IR, too? I think Goddard came off IR for the Eagles. Like, the Eagles are starting to get healthy. They see the division in bright lights. This is a Doug Peterson division. They might win it at 7-9 and nine or whatever, 6-4-1, and one, even at this point. Like, you know, like, who the hell knows at this point? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think the Eagles absolutely wreck the Cowboys. I think Mike McCarthy stinks. And I think that this Cowboys team stinks. They just cut DeMar. I think they just cut their starting nose tackle Poe for being too fat. 
literally for his weight. So uh, they're having a tough time right now. That is having a tough time, and I agree. I, I see the Eagles winning this one. It has somehow become the Eagles' division to lose at this point. The Washington football team is non-existent. The Dallas Cowboys have lost their star quarterback and Dak Prescott, who was just lighting it up, even though they were just giving up 50 points a game, what it felt like. And the Giants are just downright miserable. So it's really the Eagles. They're the only consistent team like with a quarterback who can actually function, and that's putting it mildly because, to be honest, Wentz has not really looked like on point this entire season so far. So very interesting, uh, very interesting rivalry. And this is what I, <laughs> the NFC East, man, just really is just a garbage division of like trying to figure it out. Another game that we got on the on the slate, though, should be a really good one. Steelers versus Ravens. Who do you think covers that game? What's the line? Seven and a half. Seven and a half. I think Steelers, man. No, 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 no. I'm talking Cowboys-Eagles. Oh, Cowboys-Eagles? Oh. Um, you think Eagles You think Eagles can win by more than a touchdown? Yes, they should. Okay. Yeah. So you yeah. Got, okay. Yeah, no, they definitely should. Now, for the Steelers-Ravens, the, the Ravens are four-point favorites, so they have to win by five or more to cover. Okay. I think, I think the Steelers are actually going to come out uh, victorious in this game. In all honesty, I, the Ravens haven't really impressed me that much. I know they're five and two. The record says otherwise, but the way that they've been performing as a team, Lamar Jackson looks like he's been struggling a little bit. The running game hasn't been as stout as it was last season, and the wider the passing game, I mean, it's either Mark Andrews or Hollywood Brown or bust. So nothing really to write home about for this team. That's why I think the Steelers, the Steelers are going to come out and really. Uh, they were just they're just gonna perform, man. They got all the they got all the talent they need to like get anything going between Connor. Uh I know Juju hasn't really been like crazy this entire season, but he's been, he's gonna start picking it up. And who who's their uh who's the star wide receiver that's really is it Collins? Uh what's the what's the guy's name? You know better than I do. Cool. Claypool, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. They're stacked, man. They got Johnson and Washington and Juju. Um, they're stacked on offense. Connor's been a beast. Um, and th- there's a lot of offense on the Raven side. I know you mentioned Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews. Um, I think Mark Ingram's a little bit hurt. So yeah, there's, there's going to be some firepower, but I think you, I think you're right. There, it's going to be a tough matchup. They're going to be hitting each other, uh, in the nose all game. All right. That's just usually how it is. But I got some stats for you, man. Since John Harbaugh took over in 2008, the Ravens are 10 and 2 in the regular season coming off a bye. Nice little stat. And they're the NFL's best 36 and 13 in November since 2008 since Harbaugh took over. So basically Ravens don't lose off a bye and Ravens don't lose in November. So just some uh just some things to keep in mind. Also Steelers are 6 and 0, dude. Steelers are going to go 7 and 0. You know what I mean? Like that's a lot. <laughs> you know I I know the Ravens are 5 and 1, but I'm just saying uh, I mean, I agree with your assessment. I I, I really like the Steelers, um, but I I, I lo- absolutely love the Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl this year. They are my. I've been calling it ex- since since the Chiefs did what they did last year. The the Ravens are exactly what the Chiefs were two years ago. Right? They're 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 they were amazing, and everyone's like, oh, they're amazing, they're amazing, and then they flamed out in the playoffs. Next year came along. Nobody talked about the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes. Everyone was talking about how great Lamar Jackson was last year. 
Chiefs went under the radar, won the whole thing. Ravens doing the same thing this year. Everyone's talking about how amazing the Chiefs are, how amazing everybody is. And the Ravens are, like you said, uh, eh, right? You give me a, uh, uh. They're five and one. They're killing it. You know what I mean? Like they're 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 great. Like they're they're playing mediocre and they're five and one. And they're making trades, right? Like their third best wide receiver is Willie Sneed, right? Like they're they just got Des Bryant on the practice squad. Like they're making moves. They have a really good general manager in EOC. Uh, I don't know. I I they've been absolutely killing since the Marcus Peters trade last year. I just see them shutting down the Steelers hoopla wide receivers. Right, that have been doing okay. I see them taking down Holden Connor, who always has a tough game versus the Ravens. And hey, man, they still haven't replaced Devin Bush. Okay, like so, I think this is when it, when it finally comes to light. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, shout out to Humble High School, Staten Island. He's he's gonna come up big. Uh, I don't know. I really love the Ravens this week. Nah, it makes sense to like the Ravens. I mean, the thing that's really keeping them in games so well is their defense. Their defense has been stout, just stout. So I expect them to blank, try to blanket everything that the Steelers try to do. I Look, you said 10-2 and two off a of bye, right? And that they pretty much don't lose in November. Look, they still have some losses, though. So I'm just saying it's, it's the, the realm of possibility is still there, man. Realm- 13 is hard, to, it's hard to bet against, but I feel you. Hey, man, it happens once in a while, man. The only thing that will stand the test of time is apparently the Jets cannot beat the Philadelphia Eagles. All right? That, we have never beaten the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, like, do you think that's ever going to stop? No. The Jets don't win on the West Coast. think that's ever going to stop? No. Uh, uh, Ravens have a bye. Like, that's a, that's a win. Yeah, no. No, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, well, this, this should be interesting for the next time. We'll see We'll see what happens. We should make a friendly wager. What was it? Want to bet a beer? <laughs> Yeah, I bet you a beer. Bet me a beer? All right, cool. I like my craft beers very well. All right. All right. I want to hear that pop off the bottle. <laughs> All right, and that's that really covers it for like the marquee games. I'm going to run through a few, uh, give you a few to see if you like them or not, and tell me which ones uh, are uh, appeal to you. Right, a little, ra- little rapid fire? A little rapid fire segment? Yeah, a little rapid fire segment right here. All right. So uh, Titans Bengals, how do you feel about that one? Ooh, that spread is... Five and a half underdog Cincinnati. I love the Titans there, but it feels like one that they could let down. But I actually, I love the Titans. They're they're rolling. Okay, how about uh, in a cover machine, but still Titans. Gotcha. Raiders versus Browns. Give me the Raiders all day. Their line and their underdogs plus two and a half. Browns are dumpster fire. Raiders have good offensive and defensive lines. Let's go. Okay. Okay. Like it. Colts and Lions. Ooh, that's a good game, man. The Lions had a crazy game last week. Um, first the Falcons. Indy's off a bye. Minus three Indy. I'll take Indy minus three. Okay. Vikings versus Packers. Mike Zimmer off a bye. Close your eyes and take it. <laughs> Mike Zimmer off a bye. Close your eyes and take it. Plus <laughs> half. <laughs> okay. Rams versus Dolphins. Um, I don't think I've ever gotten a Rams game right in my whole entire life. I just even like I just cannot ever figure out what the hell the Rams are doing. So I'm just gonna take them. Like I'm, not, I'm definitely not touching it. But if you're asking me, I would say Rams minus three and a half. Okay, 
I hate the Dolphins. And it's the Tua's first game, though. True. So Aaron Donald might actually murder Tua. So, like, that's that's a, that's an easy possibility. Very true. All right, Chargers versus Broncos. Or do you see that Tua, like, does a no-tape game and does okay? What do you see happening there? I see. I don't see the Dolphins doing that well with Tua. They honestly should have left Fitzpatrick in, given Tua the year off, throw him in at the end of the season. I think this is the worst game for Tua to come in, especially from hip injury, to go against Aaron Donald. I think they're doing him injustice. (laughs) Got Rams there, too. Uh, Yeah, I got Rams there, too. Um, Where do you got Tennessee-Cincinnati? Oh, I got Tennessee. Okay, cool. We're on the same page. Okay, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chargers versus Broncos? Ooh, I hate Drew Locke. I've never liked Drew Locke. I know he likes uh, young Jeezy. I still can't handle it. The Broncos stink. Give me Herbert and the Chargers and that D-line all day. Facts. I'm going with the Chargers with you as well. Ooh, off the Denver bandwagon. How things have changed. Look, man. I can't. My eyes are telling me that Herbert's good, and I can't go against them. Uh, dude, Herbert is is, is a good, and we, and we have his uh, we have his receiver. We have Denzel. Let's go, Zelly Zelly. Let's do it. Um, Saints and Bears. What do you got? Yo, hear me out on this crazy idea. Oh my God, get me out of this room right now. <laughs> Start Mitch Trubisky in the first half. Start Nick Foles in the second half. Jesus. <laughs> Come on. Just do it. Mitch Trubisky in the first ha- in the first quarter when like the first 20 plays are scripted is Tom Brady. You can't tell the difference between Mitch Trubisky and Tom Brady when he's scripting plays. As soon as he's done, he's Rex Grossman. Nick Foles cannot throw a pass on the money until the fourth quarter, tw- like 10 minutes left. He literally cannot do it. So just like just just figure it out. Like put Mitch Trubisky in the first half. Let him do it. Let him die out by the second quarter. Put Nick Foles in. You'll warm up in the third. You'll get it right by the fourth. Like that's the only way Chicago could do it. But I don't know. I, I the Saints are weird to me. Drew Brees versus a D, versus a D line just not going to work out. So give me the four points for the Bears and the money line. Bears win this game. 49ers Seahawks. Interesting game. Seahawks off a bye. Um, San Francisco's hurt, man. They they weren't injured in in going into the Patriots game, but they're really injured going to the Seattle game. And this Seattle team is not the Jets, even though the defense is bad. A la the Jets, um, the the offense is just insane. I don't think that San Francisco is going to be able to handle Seattle, but. Division game, San Francisco, Seattle. It's always close. So I would take the under 54 and Seattle with the field goal. I would just take it if I had to. For sure. I mean, you got the magician in Russell Wilson, so you know he's going to toss up some magic. Is he MVP? I think he is. It's between him and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, Out of man. Honestly, I think I think Russell Wilson's got this here. Yeah. yeah, I think the whole narrative of, oh, he didn't get a vote. Um, which he didn't never actually deserve the vote during those years when you actually go through the numbers. Um, but I think that narrative that was a nice PR move by his camp and it just and it started and he has a podcast this year mm-hmm. and he's killing it on offense. You know what I mean? And like he's he is he, he's building the resume, but so is Aaron Rodgers and Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show. He's getting back in the media. He's he's you know, he's starting to lighten up. 
after you know after breaking up with Danica Patrick, he's buddy buddy with the new coach, and where every, where the whole narrative of the Packers don't have weapons. Look what Aaron Rodgers is doing. They drafted a quarterback. Oh, and and look what he's doing with it. So there's narrative on both sides. It's really just going to depend on uh, who could keep winning football games and which one to get stronger and louder by the end of the season. Um, now I, I I hear you. I hear you. I'm still going w- uh, with Russ though. Russ is playing out of his mind to keep because defense is just giving up so much, man. He's he's doing some crazy bombs to get keep these uh, keep his team in games, man. It's just. It's so interesting. Or Russell's up just because of the Tampa game for Green Bay. Yep. All right. Last one. Bucks and Giants. This is not that hard. <laughs> oh, man. Tam- yeah, but that's a Monday night. Uh, that's uh, Tom Brady versus the Giants again. I mean, is, is, um, Antonio Brown's not playing, is he? I don't know. I think Antonio Brown has one more week off. I think Chris Godwin's hurt. Scotty Miller's in. I'll give the Giants kudos on one thing, and especially one guy who I have to put respect on his name, Bradbury. Bradbury, the corner for the Giants, has been really good, and I was talking a lot of dirt about him before the season started. I was like, yo, he's going to get killed. The Giants, the second is going to be whack, and even even though, as, as it may be, it's not his fault. He's been a shutdown corner, um, and I've actually been really impressed by his play, so... I don't think I don't think it's going to be a blowout like everyone thinks it is. Um, they they're gonna Chris Godwin's hurt like they say he's he's out with a finger. Uh, Scotty Miller's been okay in the slot. I know Gronk's been coming up. Mike Evans could be guarded though by Bradbury. So I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't. I would not take Tampa ten and a half. I'll just say that. Okay, fair. That scares me. Fair enough. And let's keep in mind that this is the same team that Danny Dimes came in, beat last year, first win of the season, where he said, F it, and he ran it in. Oh, interesting. I might take the Giants' money line just based on that. Amen. Hey. That's a thing. No, that's a thing. When, te- when, when, a, when a quarterback just owns a team or owns a defense, it's just a thing. And the defense hasn't really changed that much from like last season for the Bucks. They've had a good defense. Man, we all know that. Todd Bowles doesn't change for nothing. He's the same face, same hoodie, same everything. I can see it right now. I can see him staring at me. I mean, Bruce Arians is the same way too. He's still wearing the same hat. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Um, that does it for me um, for really the slate this week. You have anything else to add? No, that's it, man. I, that, I think that wraps up another uh, Knicks, Jets, etc. episode with a ne- uh, Jets episode in the books. And, you know, that's it. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in for another Jets episode. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Make sure to tell everyone, get ready for the, I don't know, whatever this t- Jets team is for this Sunday. Uh, get your popcorn. Sit down, have a cider, get a beer, do whatever you want. Get some apple cider donuts. Just enjoy the game if you really want to. Throw it on, put some red zone on, do whatever you want, all right? Yeah, enjoy enjoy the fall weather and definitely enjoy this music that's bumping right now by Ricey. Shout out to Ricey. Shout uh, Ricey. Let's go Jets! <laughs> <laughs>